Welcome to the 2018 Outpost Podcast. This week we kick off the new semester with our new sermon series on the names of God. Jehovah starts right now. Testing one. Whoa, gosh. The voice of God. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Spring semester 2018, here we are. And uh, it's pretty cool to be in foothills. And look around. Look, look. If you're in the front, look in the back. We're packing this place out. We got some more seats, though. We need, there's plenty of room for more to get in here, but uh, it's going to be an awesome semester. And we're going to be kicking the semester off with a message series called The Names of God. Uh, this semester is a little bit different. Um, the main speakers are all going to be doing in a unique uh, individual series. So we're going to be talking about the names of God for about a month-ish. Eric Sanquist is going to be help me, helping me with that. We're going to do a series on uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. So we're going to explore the Old Testament and find places where the Bible is talking to us about Jesus in the Old Testament. And then we're also going to do a message series on the book of Colossians. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be sweet. It's going to be a lot of good things happening in the semester. Um, like I said, the series tonight is talking about the names of God. And in particular, we're going to be talking about God's redemptive names in the Old Testament. But before I get into that, I uh, wanted to uh, give an example story. Let me ask you a question. Who here is from a small town? You're from a small town? I'm, I'm from a small town. Uh, give, me some, give me some population sizes. Anybody, anybody, a thousand or less? 500, that's small. Absolutely. Yep, I was from a small town uh, of about 500 and... Before I moved to Colorado, I actually pastored a church and led a college ministry in the state of Kentucky, and Kentucky is full of small towns, and um, the leader of our church network, his church was in Carrollton, Kentucky. Carrollton, Kentucky is a town of about 3,000-ish, but it's, it's Kentucky, and the pastor of that church, my boss, his name was Pat Butcher, really awesome guy, man of God, and uh, he grew up in that town, and he pastored in that town, and everybody in that town knew him. You guys know what I'm talking about? If you're from a small town, everybody in that town knows you. Well, he pastored not a huge church, but it was the biggest church in town, too. And that church hosted uh, everybody's funeral because it was the biggest venue in town. So not only was he from there, not only did he pastor there, not only did he have the biggest church there, but they hosted everybody's funeral. So he was connected to everybody. And so uh, I, really loved, uh, I really loved name dropping in that town. Do you guys... Have you ever participated in name dropping? Like, hey, I know, I know this guy. Well, uh, we had an event up at our church in northern Kentucky, and uh, it was an event, I can't remember, it was probably, I think it was a kid's outreach on the streets of Newport, Kentucky, and we had a need for a popcorn vending machine. And so I talked to my boss, I was like, hey, Pastor Pat, because uh, he knew everybody and he had access to a lot of stuff. I was like, hey, do you know anybody with a popcorn vending machine? He was like, oh, yeah, just go down to Craig's Do-It Center. I know the guys specifically, and just, just mention my name and you won't have to pay anything for it. So I walk down there and I'm, I'm, I'm going to play this a little bit. I'm going to see what this is like. And so I walk in there and I'm like, I mentioned who I am and I was like, hey, I'm from northern Kentucky. Another thing about Kentucky is that northern Kentucky is like the city, and the rest of Kentucky is like Kentucky, like you think of it as. So I was like, hey, I'm from northern Kentucky. Can I have a popcorn machine? He was like, well, I'm not sure what we can do about this. And he gave me this really highball price. And I was like, oh, by the way, I know Pat Butcher. He was like, oh, Pat, yeah, we got your popcorn machine right over here. And there will be no charge for that. It was pretty cool. 
I did that multiple times with different things from Craig's Do It Center. So, yeah. Popcorn vending machines. I can't remember what else I got there. But anyway, I definitely name dropped his name, and it definitely works. So there's power. There's power in a name. Okay, there's power in a name. That's what we're going to be talking about. If there's that much power in a local pastor's name, how much power is there in the name of Jesus? Right? How much more do the forces of darkness tremble when they hear the master of the universe's name? So we're going to be talking about power uh, in the names of God today. So a couple other thoughts about why is the name important? And why is knowing God's name important? Uh, First of all, when God named things in the Bible... He named them for a reason. Okay, in scripture, a person's name often reveals something about them. So, a couple examples here. Adam named Eve. So, he, you know, God formed Adam and then he formed Eve and he brought her to the man and he actually named her. And Eve means the mother of all the living. So, names in scripture mean something. Um, Abram, Abram's name was changed to Abraham. So, Abram was uh, a man uh, that was married to a barren woman. He didn't have any children. And before uh, Abraham uh, had Isaac, his son, God promised him that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And when he said his seed, he meant his offspring. God promised that that before he ever had kids and his wife was barren. And also before he had children, God changed his name to Abraham, which means the, the father of many. So names have significance in the Old Testament. A couple other names. Uh, Jacob's name in the Old Testament was changed to Israel. <clears throat> Jacob. Uh, my name's Jacob. There's uh, several unflattering meanings of my name. One is deceiver. One is supplanter. One is grabs at the heel. And my favorite one is wrestles with God. Okay, I can, I can take that one. I can kind of redeem that one a little bit. But Jacob's name in the Old Testament was changed to Israel, which means may God prevail. And, uh, you know, Mary... The mother of Jesus was told by the angel Gabriel to name her baby Jesus, uh, which means salvation. And he said to her, for he will save his people from their sins. So names, names have weight. Names have meaning, especially to God, especially in the Bible. How much more God's name? The things that God's names mean really have significance. God thinks that they have significance, and he wants us to know what the significance is. Uh, A second reason that a name is important is because a name makes a relationship personal, you know? If you see somebody that you've met once before, this has probably happened, you know, at the beginning of the school year, if not this week, and you say, hey, hey, you, or or you don't say anything because you're thinking to yourself, that's, hey, you, I don't know that person from Adam. You know, that's, that's different than saying, hey, hey, Mark, hey, Joe, hey, Sally, hey, Susie. When you say somebody's name, it says something to them. It says that I know who this person is, and then there's somewhat of a relationship there. So names are really important. Names matter to God, and names make it personal. Uh, what's your reaction to the following names? Okay, test your own reaction. What does your heart say? What does your mind say when I say John Elway? Right? goes back to the glory days of the Broncos, which is not these days of the Broncos. How about when I say Abraham Lincoln, right? There's certain connotations that that brings up, right? He, the Emancipation Proclamation, he freed people from slavery, perhaps. Maybe, maybe just old guy. Um, how about Martin Luther King Jr., right? We had that 
Holiday uh, celebrated this week. I mean, he was the, the founder, the father of the civil rights movement. These, these names all conjure up different things. How about Khloe Kardashian? I mean, that uh, it, it brings things to mind when I say that. How about Eric Sanquist? Yeah, exactly. Different responses. How about McKinley Gunzel? There's another awesome name there. Yeah. Names have significance. Names have meaning. God's name is the same. God's name has significance and meaning. In Psalm chapter 9, verse 10, the Bible says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. There's something about knowing the name of God that makes people want to trust him. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about how God has a name. He actually has named himself. He calls himself by a name. He reveals himself to the people of Israel by a name. God has a name. And we're going to look at how his name reveals his nature, his character, and his will toward you and me. Okay? So God has a name. There are a couple categories of names of God uh, in the Bible. And uh, I've just sort of begun some of my research on this, so I don't know all of these things uh, like a seminary professor might, but uh, one of the categories of names of God are the, the L names, the E-L names, okay? When you see uh, the name of God start with an L, it's significant of God as creator. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, <clears throat> we read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God here is actually the Hebrew word Elohim, okay? So it starts with L, right? God there is the Hebrew word Elohim, which is the plural form of the word El, which means God. Interestingly, this is the very first mention of God in the Bible, and you can tell that there's a plurality, a community, a trinity uh, sort of of God uh, mentioned in his name. It's a plural form, okay? Elohim there is the plural of God. So he's saying, and God created the heavens and the earth. That's pretty awesome, right? That's one of the names of God. So in the Bible, these names uh, are known as Elohistic names. These names reveal the relationship of the creator with his creation. We could say that these are his creatorship names. Some other examples that you may have heard of are El Elyon, which is the most high God. El Roy, R-O-I, which means the God that sees or El Shaddai, God Almighty, the God all-sufficient. You guys heard of some of those? Those are names of God. The Bible refers to God by the creatorship name Elohim throughout the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. And then we come to a different type of name of God. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, so the very next chapter, <clears throat> the Bible says this, And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and, and the man became a living being. Lord God here is actually the Hebrew uh, words Jehovah. Elohim, okay, Jehovah, and we're going to be concentrating on the name Jehovah tonight. In the Schofield Reference Bible, Schofield makes the following uh, comments about this verse. He says, it is significant that the first appearance of the name Jehovah in Scripture follows the creation of man. It was God, Elohim, who said, let us make man in our image. But when man, as in the second chapter of Genesis, is to fill the scene and become dominant over creation, it is the Lord God 
Jehovah Elohim, who acts. This clearly indicates a special relation of deity in his Jehovah character to man, and all scripture emphasizes this. So when we, when we see the words, uh, when we see God um, translated as Jehovah, many times in the Bible it's talking about specifically his relationship to mankind, okay? I mentioned redemptive names at the beginning of this talk, and what do I mean by this? Well, redemption is paying a debt, it's deliverance, it's rescue, and many of his Jehovah names in the Old Testament talk about this, talk about the redemptive nature of God. Remember, Jehovah is dealing with mankind, and, you know, who, who, who needs to be redeemed? It's us, the people that get, get ourselves into trouble. We need to be redeemed. So you may have heard that Jesus came to redeem people in the New Testament, did, but did you realize that God was redemptive toward the people who trusted him in the Old Testament? This is one of the things that we're going to be talking about during this series. God, God's plan of redemption started much before Jesus. It was a progressive plan, and he, he began to, he, he progressively revealed different parts of his nature and different parts of man's problem that would be redeemed throughout the Old Testament. Okay? Jehovah did this. Yes, the names of God revealed in the Old Testament speak to the heart of God for the salvation of humanity. <clears throat> These are his redemptive names. They all begin with Jehovah. They're called Jehovahistic names, and they speak of God's relationship as Lord and Redeemer. Okay, so when I, when I talk about Jehovah tonight, when we talk about that uh, for the remainder of the series, we're talking about God as Lord and Redeemer of mankind. This is what Jehovah indicates. For a little bit more clarity on this name, we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, and this is the first time in scripture where God reveals himself specifically when asked the question, who are you? This is what God says about himself. This is amazing. It's so, it's so direct. He answers the question. I love that. He's referred to as Jehovah other times in scripture, but this is the first time when he's having a conversation with a person that asks him, what is your name? And this is what he tells him. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Let's take a break real quick right there. I should have done this a little bit before, but this is when the children of Israel are crying out to God. They're in slavery in Egypt, and um, <clears throat> Moses feels the call of God to go to them and tell them that God wants to redeem them, okay? That's the context. So he says, and they say to me, what is his name? Moses says, what shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he says, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God, Jehovah Elohim of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. So he, he answers, What should I say to them? And God says, Tell them I am who I am. I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. That's amazing. The context here 
that he's revealing himself to them by this name is that they are in bondage. They are in oppression to uh, the Egyptians. They're literally slaves, okay? And they're crying out for deliverance. Some of the background of the story is that um, based on the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which are referenced here, this was not to be the end of their plot in life, to be slaves. No, there was a promise that God would make Israel um, <clears throat> basically the tribe that would bring blessing to all nations. Not only that, but God said that he would lead them to a place that was flowing with milk and honey. Okay, They were not experiencing this at this moment. They needed a redeemer. They were in need of redemption. So we're talking about the names of God here. We, we talked about how names are important. When we hear people's names, we, there's a connotation that comes to our mind. We, we understand what they're, what they're about, sort of. God wants us to know what he's about. And in the name Jehovah, he reveals to us what he's about. Okay? Jehovah references his relationship to mankind. And in the name Jehovah, we see that God is Lord. And we see that he's Redeemer. So I want to ask you this. Uh, what needs to be redeemed in your life? Is there something that needs to be redeemed in your life? Is there a person in your life that is in bondage? Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's somebody that you know. All right? This God, the Jehovah God, is in the business. He, he, he is present, and he's revealing to us that he wants to set the captives free. He wants there to be redemption for those that are in bondage. This is what the Je name Jehovah signifies. So let's keep going here. John Piper notes in his sermon, I am who I am, that God gives three answers to the question, what shall I tell them your name is? So this is John Piper's rendition of going through the text that we just read and kind of making sense of it. He says in verse 14, God says, I am who I am. In verse 14, God says, I am has sent me to you. And in verse 15, God says, Yahweh has sent me to you. This is my name forever. He goes on to say, Two facts persuade me that this, t this text provides an interpretation of the name Yahweh. One is that the name Yahweh and the name I am are built out of the same Hebrew word, which is Hayah, H-A-Y-A-H. The other is that Yahweh seems to be used here interchangeably with I am. I am has sent me to you, or Yahweh has sent me to you. The, the term, the name Jehovah, is actually a Latinization of the Hebrew word Yahweh. So Jehovah and Yahweh are interchangeable there. And Yahweh is also translated Lord. God's proper name, God's proper name is Yahweh. He is, he is I am, which means Yahweh, which means Jehovah. This is the name that he tells Moses to tell his people about. The name of the Lord God Almighty is Yahweh. It's Jehovah. We're going to refer to it as Jehovah um, in this context because I feel like it's used more often. Okay, so the name of God name of God is Jehovah. This is amazing. Just think about that. Let that soak in really quick uh, right now, just, just for a second. God has a name. Not only that, but he's revealed to us what it is. We should, we, should, we should feel the weight of that. He wants us to have that kind of a relationship with him. And doesn't it, isn't it amazing that God Almighty has a name? He's not just God Almighty. He wants to be personal. So we're going to go into some of the attributes of God here. We're going to talk about all of that, that this means. And this is just a brief overview. We're talking about 
we're talking about the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the God Almighty. We're not going to go into all the detail that we could go into tonight, obviously. Okay? But our God has a name, and he wants us to know what it is. It's Yahweh. It's Jehovah. <clears throat> so, who is Jehovah, and what is he like? Jehovah, interestingly, is used more than any other name for God in the Bible. It's used 6,519 times. The word Elohim, which is God Almighty, the plural of the L word, is actually used, according to John Piper, three times less than that. So the typical way that God reveals himself to us in Scripture is as Jehovah. And remember, that is, that is talking about his relationship to mankind as Lord and Redeemer. He wants us to know him as Jehovah. All right? Um, Piper also says, what this fact shows is that God aims to be known not as a generic deity, but as a specific person with a name that carries his unique character and mission. So the first quality we're going to talk about is that his name reveals his nature. His name reveals his nature. His nature is eternal. His nature is eternal. Kind of enough said, but let me, let me try to describe that a little bit more. He says, I am that I am. When, he, when, when Moses asks, who are you? He says, who says that? I am that I am. And yet that's a perfect description of who God is. He, he doesn't need to say anymore. He, he, he is. He is eternal. He is self-existent. He's before all things. He's the creator of all things. He's the energy for all things. That's who, that's who we're talking about here. Who should I tell the people that's sending me? I am is sending you. The creator of all things, the almighty God. There's nothing behind the I am. You can't get behind the I am. He's everything. He's everywhere. He's the, he's the author of life. He holds everything together by the word of his power. The atoms that make up our bodies are held together by the I am. That's who we're talking about. That's who we're talking about. I know, it's hard to, I know it's hard to fathom, but we should at least attempt it. This is, this is the God that we're dealing with. This is the God that has revealed his personal name to us, the I Am. That is incredible. Schofield, in the reference Bible, says the primary meaning of the name Lord, which is Jehovah, is the self-existent one. Literally, as in Exodus 3, which we just read, he that is who he is, therefore the eternal I am. This is who we're dealing with. So there's some implications here. First of all, God is self-existent. He exists of his own accord. He is before all things, and in him all things have their being. This reminds me of John chapter 1. Referring to Jesus, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. This is who we're talking about, the great I am, Jehovah, our Redeemer. Here's another interesting tidbit. So just continue to hang in here with me. I think you are. We're going to lay a framework for what Jehovah is, who Jehovah is, and what it all means. And then throughout this series, we're going to talk about different attributes of Jehovah's character, things he's redeemed us from specifically. But this foundation is important. So 
Schofield says, but Hayah, that word H-A-Y-A-H, which, from which Jehovah or Yahweh is formed, signifies also to become, that is, to become known, thus pointing to a continuous and increasing self-revelation. Combining these meanings of Hayah, we arrive at the meaning of the name Jehovah. He is the self-existent one who reveals himself. So not only is he the great I am, not only is he the self-existent one, not as only is he just, he's before all things, he makes all things, but the cool thing about how God has named himself, if you want to say it that way, is that he is the self-existent one that, that, that reveals himself, right? He's the self-existent one that continuously reveals himself. What's the significance of this to me, okay? What's the significance of this to you, in my opinion? Well, he's the foundation, he's the bedrock, and he's the absolute truth. What does his name mean to mean? It means that he is the absolute surest foundation that I could base my decisions upon, my morality upon, um, etc. He's bedrock, solid foundation. When change is happening in the world or in my life, I can look to God for absolute, unwavering, unchanging stability. Right? Entering a new semester, what's going to happen? Some of us are getting ready to graduate. Some of us are, you know, perhaps in a new relationship. Perhaps we're getting into a new job. Perhaps we've switched our majors. You know, sometimes, I know, you know, compared to thinking about God, these things seem like no big deal, but they are a big deal to us. And I think our Lord God is saying, hey, in my name, you know where to find absolute rest and stability and trust. It's in me. It's in me, no matter what's going on. He is the I am. He's the self-existent one. He does not change. He will be who he is no matter what's going on, and I can expect him to reveal more and more of himself to me. How about that? If you've got a view of God where you're like, man, I'm not sure if this is going to cut it, you can expect God to reveal more and more of himself to you because his name actually signifies that. Call on the name of Jesus. Call on the name of Jehovah and he will reveal himself to you. Secondly, his name reveals his character. And his character is faithful. So his nature is eternal. Again, this is not all-encompassing. We're talking about God here. And his character is faithful. And this is what he's told us when he tells us that his name is Jehovah. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, this is going back to the passage that we talked about earlier. The Bible says this, Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. In this passage of Scripture, Jehovah is calling the Israelites to remember the faithfulness that he showed to their ancestors, and he's calling them to remember the covenant that he made with them. Okay? So let me dig into this a little bit here. When he says, you need to tell me that, tell them that the Lord God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is the one that's speaking to you, he's calling them to remember what he's done for them in the past. And he's calling them to remember that, hey, remember those promises that I made to those guys? They came true, right? 
That's the God that I am. When I say to you that I'm going to deliver you from the bondage of Egypt, even though you're still in your shackles right now and people are beating you, when I say to you that I'm going to deliver you, you can take it to the bank that it's going to happen because I've done it before and I'll do it again. That's what God is saying when he says, my name is Jehovah. Jehovah indicates his faithfulness. I am the Lord God, the God of your ancestors. They were in some hard spots and I got them out of it. Talk about Abraham. The Bible doesn't say the relationship that God had with Abraham before he called him out of Ur, which is the town that he was from. How'd you like to be from Ur? Into a place that he would later tell him about. God said, hey, get up, get up from here, from your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And Abraham obeyed, and he went, and God provided for him the whole way. Pretty awesome. This is what God is calling them to remember, his faithfulness. <clears throat> uh, and a brief word here about covenant. He's calling them to remember the covenant also. Okay, so if, we haven't, if you have never heard about a covenant, the Israelites had a covenant with God Almighty. A covenant goes like this. <clears throat> when it comes from God, at least, if you, the human, will do this, then I, God, will do this. Okay, it's a covenant. It's an agreement. <clears throat> Abraham, Isaac, and G, uh, Jacob followed this. Another way of saying this is that all that is, all that is mine is God's, and all that is God's is mine. If you're a human and you're in a covenant with God, you get the good end of the stick because all that you have is debt and liability, and all that he has is righteousness and blessing. So when you're in a covenant with God, you get to exchange your debt and liability for God's righteousness and blessing. And God is the one that initiated that covenant. People didn't dream it up. God approached man and said, hey, this is, this is the deal that I want to make with you. The stipulation is that I am your Lord, which means what I say goes, right? And when you fall under that parameter, then all the blessings of Abraham are mine. That's a song. I just sang a song. But the Bible says, the Bible says in the New Testament that all the, all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. This is covenant terminology. It's talking about how all of God's assets are ours because we're in covenant relationship with him. When he mentions the name Jehovah, this is what he's calling to mind in the Israelites' mind, that he's faithful, that he's going to do for you what he did for your ancestors, and that because I'm a covenant God and because I'm not going to break the blood covenant that I've made with you, I will come through for you, and you will be redeemed. This, this is available to us as well. This is why we're sharing this right now, right? This is the kind of God that we have the opportunity to be in relationship with, and many of us do here. I'm telling you, call on the eternal God, the faithful God, the God in which that you have a covenant relationship through Jesus Christ. Because all of your debts and liabilities are his in Christ, and all of his blessings and assets are yours in Christ. You can call on that. That's all in the name Jehovah. One more thing. His name reveals his relationship to man or his will. Okay? So his name reveals his nature, his character, and also his name reveals his relationship to man. And his relationship to man is sovereign and it's redemptive. 
This is what it is. This is his relationship to us, sovereign and redemptive. While Jehovah's name means the self-existent one who reveals himself and his character is faithful, his relationship toward mankind can be described in two ways. Like I said, sovereign and redemptive, but he's the Lord and he's our redeemer. When we talked about Jehovah as eternal, we discussed that he is self-existent and in him all things have their being. He's also perfectly holy, righteous, and just. Since we are none of these things and since he created us, he's our rightful Lord. He's our Lord. He's eternal. He's self-existent. He's perfectly holy, righteous, and just. And so he is our rightful Lord. Whether you act like it or not, whether you think so or not, he is your Lord. Um, whether you're serving him or not, he is your Lord. There's, there's nothing that we can do about it. He just is. He created us. He is everything. He's all power. He's all authority. He's all justice. He's all righteousness. He's all peace. He's all, he's all love. He's everything. We are created. He is our Lord. Okay? So this is part of Jehovah's relationship to us. Sovereign Lord. In fact, the, the term Lord is the usual translation of Jehovah in the Bible. When you see Lord in the Old Testament especially, it's talking about his name, Jehovah. In referencing Exodus 3, which we've been talking about here, Schofield notes that the first distinct revelation of himself by his name, Jehovah, was in connection with the redemption of the covenant people of God. He is our redeemer. To redeem is to deliver from bondage, to regain possession of something in exchange for payment. And when people get to a place where they are not experiencing God's will for their lives, they need to be redeemed. Okay, if you're at a place or if you know somebody that's at a place that they're not experiencing God's will for their life, they need to be redeemed. God wants to redeem them. Okay, so an example of this is, you know, uh, obvi the obvious one is if you're in a place where you're not living your life as the Lord God would have you, you know, you're living in sin, then the way that he wants to redeem you is to bring righteousness into your life. You know, when God's will is lacking in your life, he wants to bring redemption. <clears throat> if you are lacking direction in your life, if you are confused, not sure which way to go, God wants you to understand the direction that you need to go. So when you're in that place, you need to be redeemed. So God would redeem confusion, and he would bring you direction. This is, this is crazy, and I know there's a lot of thoughts on this, but we're going we're gonna to cover this in this series. You know, when there's a physical ailment in your body, when, when you're in need of physical healing or health, when you're sick, the redemptive nature of God wants to bring healing into that area of your life. God is a healer. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's a provider. He's a peace giver. He's a healer. He is everything. The cool thing about all of these things, all these redemptive names of God, Jehovah, is that they all find their consummation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, actually in the Hebrew, is translated as Jehovah is salvation. The name Jesus literally means Jehovah is salvation. When you say the name of Jesus, you're calling on the name of Jehovah as Savior. It's a progressive revelation. He starts out by saying, hey, I'm your Redeemer. And then he gets into more specifics and finally gives us Jesus. And he says, hey, everything that I've been trying to communicate to you throughout the Old Testament, I have consummated in the Lord Jesus Christ. All 
of the promises of God are now yes and amen in him. It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. So let's, let's wrap this up here. If I could have the band come up, that'd be great. What is the significance of this to me? What is the significance of God as my Lord and Redeemer? Well, I have a need for redemption. What is the significance for you? You have a need for redemption. I don't even know you, and I know that you do. There are many things in my life that aren't the way that God intended them to be. And in my own strength, I'm a sinner. I don't do what is right, and I need somebody to make me right. I need a Redeemer. Thank God he wants to be that. His name signifies that. He is my Lord and my Redeemer. He wants to save me from my sin and restore me to wholeness in his kingdom. God as Lord and Redeemer has all kinds of significance for me. It means that the areas of my life that are not going according to what I know the will of God is, God wants to bring into alignment with his will. And his will for you always brings blessing. His will for you always brings blessing. Why? Because he wants, he wants you to be his representative on the earth. And when he sets out to do things, he does them successfully. That's why he wants you to be redeemed, to be made new. All right. So in conclusion, we're talking about Jehovah here. We, if we found out that his nature is eternal. We found out that his character is uh, amazing. <laughs> we found that his character is faithful. And we found out that his relationship to mankind is Lord and Redeemer. All right? As we, as we come to a close here, I encourage you to meditate on just the name Jehovah on Yahweh. <clears throat> Remember, Jesus' name is the Lord. Jehovah is salvation. All right? I want you to think about this. He has given us his name. He wants us to know him personally. He wants us to know what he's about. The name Jehovah refers specifically to his relationship with you and me. He's our standard. He's our rock. He's our stability. He's our Lord, and he's our redeemer. As we continue in this series, like I said, we're going to look at some of the other uh, we're going to look at God's redemptive names. We're going to look at what Jehovah is like to us, how he wants to redeem our lives. He progressively reveals himself. <clears throat> and remember that all of these things are leading up into the age that we live in now. We live in the, what's called the age of grace, the age of Jesus Christ as risen Lord and Savior. Everything that God was trying to do that he was doing incrementally in the Old Testament is consummated, is completed now in the age that we live in. We can call on the name of Jesus and we can receive redemption, which means deliverance from anything that's going on in our lives. When you say Jesus, you say deliverer. You say salvation. You say healer. You say peace giver. You say righteousness. You say joy. When you when you call on the name of Jesus, you're, you're saying these things. It's not just, it's not just It's not just anything. When you're calling on the name of Jesus, you're calling on anything that you could ever have need of. He wants to do that for you. He is a redeemer. Okay, I'll invite you guys to stand up.
one of the things that I mentioned here was covenant, and um, that if that if Yahweh or Jehovah was your Lord, then you could expect Him to redeem you. You could expect Him to deliver you and to provide for you the things that you are missing in your life. Okay. It is true that He is the Lord, but He wants to be He wants to be our Lord. He wants to be your Lord. It's true that He's the Lord. It's always going to be true that He's the Lord. Whether He's your Lord or not is a different story. Okay, so one of the things that I want to ask you tonight as we reflect is, is Jehovah, is Jesus your Lord? If you have a need for redemption in your life, if, you, if you're stuck someplace, if you're lost, if you're confused, if you're hurting, if you're bound up by sin, if your health is failing you, if you need some financial things to come through for you, you need direction, if you need something in your life, your answer is Jehovah God, the Lord, your provider, the Lord, your deliverer. The key there is, is Lord. Is he your Lord? I encourage you. I want you to identify right now. I want you to close your eyes real quick. I want you to identify right now where you're at. Where where does my life not look like what I know God wants my life to look like? Where do I have a need in my life? And I want you to call out in your heart on the revealed name of God. It's Jehovah. And attach to the end of Jehovah's name what you have need of. Call out to him like that. Jehovah, save me. Jehovah, deliver me. Jehovah, reveal truth to me. Jehovah, reveal um, direction to me. Jehovah, help me in this relationship that I'm in. Jehovah, help me in this situation that I'm in. I need deliverance. I need salvation. I need a redeemer. Jehovah, I call out to you as the one who's revealed himself to me as my Lord and as my redeemer. Call out to him as Lord. Call out to him as Lord. We're just going to continue to pray real quick for a moment. You know, if you're here today and you are in a situation like that, which many of us, I'm sure, are, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to respond to the Lord. I want you to take a very simple act of faith, and I want you to do something about this need that you have. He's presented himself to you as your answer. Now you need to trust him. You need to take an action step about that. So just continue to stay in this attitude of worship. You know, have your your eyes closed. But if you want, if you need him to come through for you and deliver you and redeem you for something, I want you to raise your hand right now. God, come through for me. God, come through for me. I surrender to you as my Lord. With my hand upheld, I surrender to you, God. I need you. I need you to come through. God, I pray for these people. I pray for these amazing students that go to Colorado State University and other places throughout northern Colorado. God, I pray that you would be for them their Redeemer. I pray that you would be their Lord. God, I pray that you would come to them and answer their request, answer their petition. I pray that you would send people across their paths that know you 
that can provide hope and help and healing where they're at, God. And I pray for a true and dramatic life change in their life. I pray that they would see you coming through for them in a real way, God, and that they would know that it is indeed the Lord Most High that's doing this, that they would fall on their knees and surrender to your amazing care. God, thank you for this step that they're taking tonight, and we trust you, God, that they will never be the same because you are the eternal, faithful redeemer of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the Outpost Podcast. See you next week.